0: Welcome to Misinformation, the podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. <laughs> Yay. Yay.
1: Oh, man. So I was already had an idea for my topic that okay. I wanted to talk about this week. And then today there was breaking science news.
0: Breaking science news. <laughs> 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 breaking
1: science news that is related to my topic.
0: That's amazing.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Aligned. I can't wait to
0: tell you about it. Please. It right. on me.
1: This week, I'm going to tell you all about the seven wonders of the ancient world. <laughs> Woo! All right, so this is a topic that comes up at trivia sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a list, and I'm going to talk to you about each of these things that's great. on the list, and then give you a mnemonic for remembering what they all are. Oh, yes, great. So today, talking about the seven wonders of the ancient world. So each of them, um, you know, if you if you know, they I, are uh, the product of singular architectural, engineering, and artistic hubris. Wow. Hubris. So like Lauren. um
0: hubris like so like the Tower of Babel, mm. the biblical Tower of Babel. Ooh, that's not one of these. Oh, damn.
1: But uh you you'll find out. Okay.
0: You'll find out. But hubris in terms of hubris. Oh
1: yeah, like it's very um uh, somebody is very proud and receives all of this glory yes. in each of these wonders. Ooh, that's Ooh. exciting! All right, so the list in its current form was formalized around the Renaissance period. Mm. Um, even though travelers of the you know panhellenic world and the ancient world had been kind of um, noting these uh, really great. Places for quite some time. So it was really, it started out as like a list of must-see places. It was kind of like a bucket list type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then by the time of the Renaissance, um, they were actually like compiling the official lists from all of these ancient travelers because many of these did not last until the Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So um, the first of the lists uh, kind of were written in the first and second century BC. So the first one I'm talking about, the Pyramid of Khufu. Khufu. Also known as the Great Pyramid of Giza. Oh. It's in Giza, Egypt. Mm -hmm. So it was created by the fourth dynasty, Pharaoh Khufu, around 2560 BC. So it was built as a tomb and it was built over a 10 to 20 year period. Um, So the largest pyramid there, it's the earliest of the seven wonders and it is actually the only one still intact. It is over 4,400 years old. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. When it was first built, it was about 481 feet tall, um, and now due to erosion and all those other, you know, sandstorms and people chipping away at it and all that stuff, um, it's now about 450 feet tall. Um, It covers 13.1 acres, and it was the tallest man-made structure in the world for over 3,800 years.
0: What? Yeah. That's so many years. Those Egyptians knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I didn't realize, I guess I didn't, re- I've never been to Egypt, uh, full disclosure. <laughs> um, but I guess I didn't realize that it was that, um, I, I imagine it was yeah. tall, but I didn't realize it was that mm-hmm. like wide Yeah. in terms of footprint.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so there are three known chambers inside the Great Pyramid. The lowest chamber is cut into the bedrock upon which the pyramid was built and was left unfinished. There's also the Queen's Chamber and the King's Chamber that are higher up in the pyramid. All right. The breaking news. Okay, all right. So, on November second of this year,
0: <gasps> that's that's yeah, today. That's the we're recording, day we're, we're recording, recording on November second. Yeah, Nature secret.
1: published a paper about the discovery of a mysterious chamber or void the first time a new structure has been identified in the pyramids since the 19th century. What? So in 2015 there was an international project launch called Scan Pyramids which (laughs) does what it exactly what it says. Um, It uses non-invasive scanning technology like laser imaging to Mm. try to help understand Egypt's pyramids as it says in the name sure um so the discovery of this big void um this discovery was made using muon tomography which is a technique that generates 3d images from muons which are a byproduct (laughs) of cosmic rays that can pass through stone better than similar technology based on x-rays like ct scans (laughs) muons
0: (laughs) so if i didn't know if I didn't know you, I would swear <laughs> that, that you were making that up. It's like booerns <laughs> from friends, you know, where you're like, muons. Definitely muons. <laughs> yes they are thing
1: they are real um so this group they they've been working on this project for a couple years now and today nature released the article all about this topic um so in this skin pyramids has also done studies with thermal imaging and they have even sent tiny robots down passages (gasps) to get images of previously unseen areas of the pyramids
0: tiny robots tiny robots Oh my gosh, that's so cool. That's so that's so like 21st century. Yeah. Oh my God. So now
1: that they know that there's like a hundred foot void above uh, the king's chamber inside okay. the pyramid, they're going to try to send in a little flying robot <gasps> to see if they can get images oh of my the God. chamber. And some people are like losing their minds. Oh they're, yeah, of course. Like, hey, I'm know, losing Everything my has been stolen and yeah. looted and all this stuff has been missing oh gosh, for like centuries imagine? and centuries. So if there is a chamber inside the great pyramid oh my God. that
0: nobody has accessed in 4,000 years. That's going to be inc- so incredible. Oh my God. That's going to be so cool. What if, what if there are, it's an ancient curse. Okay. Hear me out. <laughs> what if it's an ancient curse? But as it turns out, it's not a curse. It's just germs.
1: Ooh. And then ancient germs. And then the plague just gets like, yeah. Released. Yeah. Oh boy. I hope they take this
0: into consideration Man, when they yeah. send that tiny robot. Up I hope in they there. thought about that. <laughs> If you are working on this project and you are a listener of this podcast, please Maybe email bring us. Up, bring up some of these concerns to your supervisor. <laughs> please do that. Can you imagine? <laughs> wait, sir. Wait. I was listening to a podcast earlier today. <laughs> I just wanted you to be aware
1: of the curse. <laughs> no, ma'am. Well, so, yeah, it's, that is a so really cool coincidence. Uh, so. Did I tell you how many blocks are in that pyramid, by the way? No, you did not. Uh, It's about 2.3 million granite blocks. Granite? Granite. Each weighing an average of 2.5 tons. What?
0: Wait, is there granite in Egypt? Yeah. Okay, I guess so. (laughs) If you know anything about rocks, please email us (laughs) at misinfobot at Um, gmail.com. What was it? How many tons?
1: 2.3 million blocks, each weighing an average of two and a half tons. Oh, my gosh.
0: And they didn't have like they didn't have caterpillars then. Oh, you mean like a bulldozer? Yeah, the bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> not like uh, not like a larval butterfly. <laughs> they didn't have that. Was taking a really long time, right? To move. Well, it did take twenty years. I mean, <laughs> just true. really strong. Yeah. They just have a breeding program of like super strong caterpillars. <laughs> That's what's inside the void. <laughs> All these tiny I can't wait chrysalis chrysalises. <laughs> Chrysalie, Chrysalie, Chris if you know anything about <laughs> bugs <laughs> <laughs> please email us at, oh. at gmail.com i am Great. punchy tonight i'm yeah, sorry it's cool yeah it's so <laughs> that's uh that's the first one egypt okay egypt <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> sorry next statue of zeus at olympia okay in olympia greece I think I've seen drawings of this. Yes. Okay. Because it doesn't exist anymore. So the statue of Zeus was commissioned by the Ilians, who were the custodians of the Olympic Games in Greece. So this was in the latter half of the 5th century BC. So they had recently constructed a temple of Zeus. Um, And it was done about 460 BC by the architect Libon. And then the Athenian sculptor Phidias sculpted the image of Zeus. It is a... Chryselephantine statue what? that's gold and ivory. Ooh. Um It was completed at about 430 BC. It was built on wood or stone in the core and it rose to a height of 40 feet, which is as tall as a four story building. So the Greek um, geographer Strabo, who was alive in the first century BC, the first century AD, wrote, although the temple itself is very large, the sculptor is criticized for not having appreciated the correct proportions. He has shown Zeus seated, but with the head almost touching the ceiling so that we have the impression that if Zeus moved up to stand, he would unearth the temple. Mm. so details of its form are only known from ancient greek descriptions with representations on coins oh Um, so he's portrayed zeus is portrayed bare-chested sitting on a high cedarwood throne with legs decorated with images of theban children seized by the sphinx and back-to-back winged figures of victory also known as nike
0: Mm
1: -hmm. there are seated figures of the sphinx which is As we all know, the Sphinx is a monster with a woman's head, a lion's body, and an eagle's wings. Mm -hmm. So these support the throne's armrest. And other images uh, carved into it included Apollo, Artemis, and Niobe with her slain children, which Mm. like, oof, like, mm. what a buzzkill. Yeah. Um, So on Zeus's head was a sculpted wreath of olive sprays, and in his right hand was a figure of victory made from ivory and gold. In his left hand was a scepter inlaid with metal with an eagle on the top. His sandals and robe were made of gold, and his garments were carved with animals and lilies. And the throne was decorated with gold, gemstones, ebony, and ivory. So like, this
0: is like a fancy-ass statue. Yeah, that is a gaudy, like, toned down (laughs) the semi-precious stones, am I right? See, I was expecting it to be larger. When you said four stories, I was like, oh, really? Um, Because I imagined it to be like 100 feet tall, you know what I mean? But um, maybe that was just... I mean, they can't... You know, you can only do so much as an ancient (laughs) person. Yeah, this is like... BC. Yeah. BC. You know? (laughs) Way back.
1: So um, another account that I thought was really interesting. So there was a geographer named Pausanias. He mm. recorded the statue was kept constantly coated with olive oil <gasps> to counter the harmful effect on the ivory caused by the marshiness of the grove where the temple oh, sat. yeah. So the floor in front of the image was paved with black tiles and surrounded by a raised rim of marble that contained the oil. And the reservoir also acted as a reflecting pool, which doubled the height of the statue. So I don't know whose job... I I don't even know how you put that on your resume that sounds slippery that you are the (laughs) you i'm the
0: olive oil the olive oil coder (laughs) 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 goes to a bar and he's like hey ladies i'm the one who puts the olive oil on the uh seated zeus and they all come look yeah you want to come see it it's closed yep. but i got a key <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a pool of olive yeah, oil so
1: that like i guess then they would like use that and, and then go just back to like the top a baste. And, yeah yeah <laughs> they're basting the statue in olive oil does olive oil go bad it must does it get like musty or gross it must get rancid olive oils get rancid yeah
0: oils get rancid because it's only honey that doesn't like yeah rot or anything like that so it must have stank to high heaven, too.
1: <laughs> like a stinky, Well, slick. again, this is back in the olden days, so everything smelled anyway. That's any, true. Right?
0: Everything smelled. Horrible. People smelled. Animals smelled. The air smelled. Everything smelled. Everything was bad.
1: So the statue sat there for more than eight centuries.
0: Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: In 393 AD, the Christian clergy persuaded the Roman emperor to close the temple and ban the Olympic Games. So, the statue is moved to a palace in Constantinople where, in 462, a fire destroyed both the palace and the statue. And then, the great temple itself, where zeus's statue had been, was eventually destroyed by fire, flood, landslides, and earthquakes. Like, every single time. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it was like one thing happened and they didn't fix it back up, and then Mm -hmm. another thing happened. And, you know, so the temple, gone. This statue like made gone of gold real way, gold and ivory and gemstones and metal and all this fancy stuff gone. I bet that olive oil just <laughs>
0: caught, got <laughs> really quickly. Maybe we shouldn't have used a flammable, high smoke point cooking oil to coat this.
1: You don't see that in in art museums much these no, days. No, the
0: coating of olive oil the, over ivory. That no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that at the our museum? museum. Yeah, it's fallen out of favor. Yeah. Um, and speaking of
1: temples, next up we got the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus. Okay. And I'm, that I'm is done. in present-day Selçuk, Turkey. Oh, okay. So, um, Artemis background cheat, that's the Greek name for what the Romans called Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the daughter of Zeus and Leto and the twin sister of Apollo. So, Artemis was the Hellenic goddess of the hunt, wild animals, wilderness, childbirth, virginity, and protector of young girls, and she was thought to bring and relieve bring bring and relieve disease in women
0: i don't okay, know okay so she she not only brought disease but, <laughs> but she brang it and she then brang she it, took it and it away. then she
1: took it away yeah and she was often depicted as a huntress carrying a bow and arrow
0: um little side personal note mm. about your good friend lauren over here <laughs> my first aim screen name was artemis underscore moon I was It's really
1: too bad that Aim <laughs> just like shuddered.
0: I know. I recorded too. All those chats gone whew, gone to the wind. Oh man, do you yeah. remember
1: when we found out you could save those? Like I know. when you could save the log yeah. and then
0: like and then read them later yeah. if you were like talking to a cute boy. Oh yeah. Oh my god, yes, I had so many of those. But yeah, Artemis underscore moon. I was oh. a very cool How'd you teen. Pick that? Um, because I was super into Greek mythology mm. at the time. And I thought I really I, re- I felt like really Artemis really related. spoke to me. I was like, yes, yes, protector of young girls and the moon and animals. I love all these things. And I was like, she seems fierce. <laughs> so, so apparently Artemis was already taken, so I had to like oh, screw around figure you know, out a couple other words Artemis underscore moon at com. So if you want to email oh, me at my Juno account, I, that
1: is a, you think it still exists? I have a Juno account.
0: It's just full of spam from like Delia's. Yeah, I had a, <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had a Hotmail account that I. That oh was my yeah. First one. Yeah, it was way, way long ago. Do you remember your email account um, name? It was Molly seventy at Hotmail dot com. Why Molly? Uh, because you're super
0: into oh MDMA. So my,
1: <laughs> so my friend Meredith had a dog named Molly, and she spelled it M O L L I E, and I thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> I loved it so much. And then I wrote a book about a character named Molly Amaretto. Trademark. You can't <laughs> use that. Use that name. So I <laughs> I
0: can't. I can't. <laughs> <Molly Alvarez. laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing at you. No. <laughs> I'm laughing at the name. Okay. So, what? so I oh, wrote sorry. a book. sorry. And then I decided that I didn't want to use my real name on the internet. No, of course not. No, because you're a smart person. (laughs) Yeah. So I picked, uh, I picked Oh, Molly. That's much better than Artemis underscore moon. (laughs) By the way, uh, for our next party, we're making a cocktail called Molly (laughs) Amaranth. Okay. All right. So the Temple of Artemis Artemis
1: at Ephesus. (laughs) Um, So the temple was actually built a bunch of times on the same site in Ephesus. Um, So that was a thriving Greek port in Ionia on the west coast of modern day Turkey. And this was around the fourth century B.C. So before approaching the temple, the visitors stood far back in a courtyard and where they would admire the decorated pediment of the temple. So this had sculpted Amazons framing the entranceway, which held a forest of gleaming marble columns. So there were marble steps surrounding the building, which is about 180 feet by 350 feet. And it was unclear whether the temple was completely roofed Um, maybe with tiled wood, or if the inner sanctuary was open to the sky. And once inside, the visitors walked among 127, very specific, I don't know why it was 127, ionic marble columns, um, which were each 60 feet high, and they were on sculpted rectangular bases. And each column was said to have been the gift of a different king in the lands. Oh, cool. In the center was a statue of Artemis, who, um, as she was portrayed at Ephesus, was an Asian mother goddess attended by eunuch priests. So there, she was not portrayed as the virgin goddess or huntress of Greece. She was pictured with several rows of, quote, pendulous breasts, more than 40 in all, amply deserving St. Jerome's epithet for her, multimamia so just, yeah it's are not they
0: disembodied breasts
1: no they're attached to her oh like, she kind of
0: looks like a bunch of grapes i guess
1: oh, no. so so it's not like it's not like the diana with the bow and arrow yeah, that you a, see on like one foot with her you know arm yeah, out this so graceful. is like a mother goddess statue and she has just a
0: bunch of bunch tits. of pendulous <laughs> sorry I apologize like a dog like a uh, like a yeah, dog yeah kind of but 40 a pow, not a cow <laughs> but 40 but 40 of them <laughs> wow so that seems vaguely um uh Southeast Asian yeah that seems it was very, very Asian for okay, that that's for very that portrayal as
1: opposed to like the Greek version of it yeah um, so, the temple survived until actually 262 AD when it was ravaged by the Ostrogoths. Ugh. The worst kind of Goths. Well, I don't no even remember. Well, who's that. worse, the Ostrogoths or the Visigoths? We'll have a debate one day.
0: <laughs> we'll do a whole podcast on it. We, each one of us picks a side and we argue angrily about it.
1: <laughs> we each bring our favorite Gothic weapon. Yep. Oh, and then we'll kill each other at the end. So um so the you know, the Ostrogoths came through, they kinda of ravaged the temple and then in four oh one what remained of the once lovely structure was destroyed by the Order of Saint John Chrysostom. Because this is when the Roman the Roman Empire was yep. coming through and they were like, No, you can't worship these gods. Yeah. Like Yep, we're so, cutting it
0: off. Yep. It's too bad.
1: Next up, also in Turkey, we have the Mausoleum at Halicarnassus, which is in present day in Bodrum, Turkey. Mm. So this was commissioned by Artemisia, who was both the wife and sister of (laughs) Mausolus, who was a satrap, which means a governor of the provinces of ancient Median and Achaemenid empires. Sorry for butchering that, everybody. Um, So he was a satrap, which I had never seen that word before. So thank you a satrap a cool. satrap of caria so he reigned from 377 to 353 bc all right artemisia loved her brother husband so much <laughs> <laughs> that when he died she reportedly mixed his ashes with water no. and drank him oh
0: no yeah. that's no good yeah. you shouldn't you shouldn't consume ashes whether from a body or not i or, should just say that Especially not if they're your brother-husband's. Ew. First of all, the, there's everything <laughs> wrong with that. Everything. Top to bottom, soup to nuts. Just don't drink your brother-husband's ashes. Just don't do it. I feel like that could also be a tagline for our podcast. <laughs> exactly.
1: So um, the architect of this mausoleum, which is, ended up being, you know, we take the word from mausolus because oh, okay. this is so grand. So the architect of this um, tomb that ended up being a mausoleum mm-hmm. was thought to be Pythias of Prien. So the tomb's form resulted from an attempt to mix together the architectural features of three different civilizations. So it was Lycian, Greek, and Egyptian mm-hmm. in a tri-layered rectangular structure. And it's believed that the construction was begun by Mausolus before his death and then continued on by the next leaders just because of like the grand scale of how like gigantic this was. Cool. And the fact that Artemisia was also buried in it, so it's like they can kind of narrow down the time frame there Mm -hmm. so at its base the mausoleum was about 127 by 100 feet it was 140 feet high which is about 10 to 13 stories high wow it had three main parts so there was a base that was a stepped podium about 60 feet high and a middle layer a colonnade of 36 ionic columns that were about 38 feet high and over this a stepped pyramid shaped roof So the roof's 24 steps rose 22 and a half feet to a flat surface on which, topping the entire tomb, stood a 20-foot marble four-horse chariot, likely with statues of Moselus and Artemisia in it. And the burial chamber that had a sarcophagus of white alabaster decorated with gold is believed to have been among the columns at the podium level. This is like, this was a gigantic... Why are we doing this anymore?
0: (laughs) (laughs) As... As a species, why are we not making cool shit like this? Because that sounds righteous. It's yeah.
1: So um, we know what this looked like. Oh, okay. Because it survived relatively intact until about the 13th century. Oh, okay. So there so was a lot history, more yeah. time for people to sketch it. Yep. Uh, you know, write about it, mm-hmm. depict it on more than just like a a old clay coin or something. Yeah. So, um, that's cool. Yeah. So there was a big marble exterior. It was, it had a lot of friezes and freestanding statues of people, lions, horses, and other animals. Mm. And each of the tomb sides was assigned to a different Greek sculptor. So again, the tomb was intact until like the 13th century when portions of it collapsed in an earthquake. No, Oh man. Earth, earthquakes are going to take out a lot of these things. <laughs> um, so most of the remnants that we actually have today are a result of the pieces that, um, that were part of that earthquake collapse. So in the 15th century, what was left of the mausoleum was taken by the Knights of St. John, who mm. took it to erect and fortify a massive castle. So um, the mausoleum at Halicarnassus was actually the last surviving of the six destroyed Wonders of the world.
0: Oh, okay, so there are pieces of it that are mm-hmm. still out there. The frieze
1: of the mausoleum was taken from the walls of that castle in 1846 and shipped to the London's British Museum.
0: How interesting! Mm-hmm. Yep, the British Museum has a lot of stuff they from do the ancient have a world. Lot of stuff,
1: yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, since we do know what this looked like, uh, we actually have a bunch of modern buildings whose designs were based upon or influenced by interpretations Get of out it. Of here. So these include Grant's Tomb. Oh. Uh, 26 Broadway, also known as the Standard Oil Building in New York City. Okay. Uh, Los Angeles City Hall, the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C., and Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Hall in Pittsburgh. Oh, so. Get out of here. Yeah, if you uh, if you know what any of those things that I just said look like, uh, they were all influenced by the Mausoleum How
0: cool. That's yeah. really cool.
1: Next up, we have the Colossus of Rhodes. Mm. This was in Rhodes, Greece.
0: Wait a second. Wait a second. The Colossus of Rhodes he stands, correct? Yes. This is what I was imagining when you oh, were talking about, about that. This- Zeus. Zeus. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay.
1: So the Colossus of Rhodes. Um, The people of the island city Rhodes used money to erect an enormous statue of their patron deity, the sun god Helios. So they used the money from selling the equipment left behind from Macedonian invaders. So like these invaders came, they tried to do a war and then they were just so impressed with these Rhodians that they (laughs) ran away and they left all their stuff behind. And then the Rhodians were like, well, we don't need catapults and all these things. So they sold it and they had money and then they were like, what can we do with this money? We could make a
0: big ass statue. That's, you know what? Good for them. Yes. That's very industrious. So,
1: Cheris of Indus and his bronze casters worked for a dozen years from about 292 to 280 BC. The bronze was fortified by giant blocks of stone and iron tie bars inside the bronze. So, they worked from the bottom up. When the feet of the statue were completed, they took mounds of earth piled around the feet so that the, wa- the workers could move up to construct the ankles. Oh. Then, as the statue rose, the completed parts stayed buried. So, you know, they'd finish the ankles and move more dirt up and then work on the legs and like all the way up. So basically, this whole thing was like buried under dirt as they completed the whole thing.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they they don't have any cranes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then once it was completed, all the dirt was removed. So the finished work stood about 110 feet tall. So it is the largest statue of antiquity. For comparison, the Statue of Liberty is about 152 feet tall. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So... Actually, the new Colossus, which was a sonnet by Emma Lazarus, was engraved on a bronze plaque and mounted inside the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty in 1903. So the new Colossus is the Statue of Liberty as opposed to the old Colossus that was the Colossus of Rhodes. That's cool. Um, So little more of it is actually known about the appearance or location of the Colossus. The best guess is that it was a naked statue of the sun god lifting a torch in one hand while the other held a spear at his side. Mm. Um, So the Colossus stood for more than half a century. That doesn't sound
0: like a lot, does it? No, that's like... a Half a century. A Half a century is like 60 years. A little more than half a century is 60 years. Yeah. Um, so there was a powerful earthquake that hit Rhodes mm. in about
1: 224 BC. It damaged the city and broke the statue at its weakest point
0: its knees oh no not the knees not you the go knees. for the knees then.
1: yeah so the rhodians actually received an offer from ptolemy the third of egypt who wanted to cover the restoration costs but the oracle of delphi forbade them from rebuilding the statue because they thought it was a sign from the sun god oh so the colossus lay where it fell for nearly 900 years
0: wow
1: and then in 653 ad the arabs invaded rhodes they dissembled the remnants of the Broken Colossus and shipped them to Asia Minor where they sold it off as scrap metal.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Yeah,
1: so it, it didn't last very long, but it sounded cool well, at the maybe, time.
0: Maybe like maybe like there that metal's out there somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they melted it down and made something else. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's like sitting in your aunt's kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just saying, it's possible.
1: That's a good background story for something for Antiques Roadshow. Yeah.
0: So my spoon (laughs) is from the melted down remains of the Colossus of Rhodes. Prove me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. Mm -hmm. Another very tall
1: thing the Lighthouse of Alexandria. Yes. In Alexandria, Egypt. So this was the first architecturally designed lighthouse in history. Oh, cool. And it is also known as Pharos, P-H-A-R-O-S. And that's the word that um, in many foreign languages, like lighthouse is derived from that. So like in French, it's fair, P-H-A-R-E. So the lighthouse lay before the harbor of Alexandria, which was founded in 332 BC by Alexander the Great immediately after his conquest of Egypt. So he thought they needed a way to guide ships into the harbor, which was true. So work began under King Ptolemy I, Soter, who was Alexander the Great's friend who ruled Egypt from 305 to 282 BC. And it was completed in about 280 BC under his son Ptolemy II, Philadelphus. So ancient coins show a three-tiered tower with rectangular windows on all sides. The lighthouse had three sections. The lowest was a square, about 183 feet high, with a cylindrical core. The middle was octagonal with a height of 90 feet. And the third was 24 feet high, cylindrical and encircled with a broad spiral ramp. And there was a 16-foot tall statue at the top. Oh, my gosh. We don't know what it was. It might have been Poseidon. It might have been Zeus. Mm. We'll see. Um, So the title height, sorry, the total height, including the foundation base, was about 384 feet, which is a 35-story building.
0: Holy crap.
1: Yeah. And for many centuries, it was one of the tallest man-made structures in the world. Sure, yeah. So at night, a fire of resinous wood in the base of the Pharos was reflected by enormous mirrors, likely of burnished bronze at the top. And its beacon was said to be visible across the Mediterranean for 30 to 40 miles. Wow. So back in the time when they didn't really have big light,
0: big light, night lights, big night lights, lights at night. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, they couldn't illuminate their worlds when it was dark, is yeah, what you're saying. This thing
1: could be seen for 30 Holy to 40 cow, miles. Holy cow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. So it was damaged in an earthquake. earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, in 956 AD, and it fell into ruin during other subsequent earthquakes in 1303 and 1323. In 1968, the lighthouse was rediscovered. Yeah. UNes- yeah. UNESCO sponsored an expedition to send a team of marine archaeologists, Ooh. Ooh. led by famed underwater archaeologist Honor Frost, to the site where she confirmed the existence of the ruins representing part of the lighthouse. And then Greek archaeologists led by Jean-Yves Empereur rediscovered the physical remains of the lighthouse in late 1994 on the floor of Alexandria's eastern harbor. So some of these remains were brought up and were lying in the harbor on public view toward the end of 1995. The archery the archaeological team of divers has uncovered more than 2,500 pieces beneath the waters around Pharos, including 15 enormous granite blocks thought to be from the lighthouse, each weighing more than 30 tons.
0: What? What? Yeah. You know what? Aliens. Here's why. Let (laughs) let Let me make my argument. How did they move giant blocks if they didn't have sophisticated technology from another world? Riddle me this, Julia. (laughs) The views expressed in this podcast (laughs) are not representational of both hosts. I'm just saying, that's crazy. Yeah, 30 30 ton blocks. That's amazing. It's crazy. And how cool that they found all that, too. Yeah. Yeah. That it was still, like, hanging out down there. Yeah.
1: So the Ministry of the State of Antiquities in Egypt has planned, as of late 2015, to turn the submerged ruins of ancient Alexandria, including those of the pharaohs, into an underwater museum. <gasps> Can you don't want to be the conservator of no, an underwater no.
0: museum? That sounds <laughs> that sounds difficult at best. No. Oh.
1: And then the last of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the hanging gardens of Babylon. Oh, I've been waiting. So that, um, Potentially, could be in Hilla or Nineveh, Iraq. Okay. So, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon are said to be the work of Nebuchadnezzar, mm. six hundred five to five sixty two BC, who was king of Babylonia. Uh, Babylon was located on the Euphrates in what is now Iraq. So, um, this gigantic garden had the gardens, trees, flowers, and shrubs for his wife, Amethyst, who missed the greenery of, you know, where she was originally from mm. before she came to Babylon. So um, Philo of Byzantium in the late third century BC wrote that the most fascinating feature of the gardens was built within the walls of the Royal Palace, resting on stone columns so that people could stroll beneath the structure while workers tended to the fields overhead. He said there were five landscape brick terraces, each rising 50 feet above the other and connected by marble stairways and um, highly technical, sophisticated aqueducts. And relying on earlier sources, the Roman historian Quintus Curtius Rufus, that's a pretty good that's name, name. Um, claimed that the trees of the gardens were about 12 feet in circumference and 50 feet tall. Holy cow. So.
0: What kind of tree is that? That's not a real well,
1: tree. Despite the vividness of some ancient accounts, no firsthand accounts of
0: this place exist. Okay. So this was, there are, this was a tiny back garden, This some potted this plants. This place maybe never existed. <gasps>
1: Really? The so there are no cuneiform inscriptions from Babylon that hint at even the existence of such a place. And Herodotus, who is a pretty big uh his old-timey historian, he um, described Babylon in his book Histories, but he never mentioned the gardens at all.
0: And he would have mentioned the gardens yeah. if they looked yeah. like that. And yeah.
1: to date, there is no archaeological evidence found in Babylon for the Hanging Gardens.
0: Interesting. I had no idea. So That's disappointing. It might... It might not have ever existed. Oh, uh, it might have been sad. like
1: a you know a legend that that people told, and yeah. you know maybe to impress other people, like oh yeah, yeah, did you? See, did you oh, you went to Babylon? Did you see the Hanging Gardens? <laughs> yeah, <so> the Hanging <laughs> yeah, Gardens. <exactly>. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I definitely yes. was there. So here's a mnemonic to ooh, remember late on the me. seven ancient wonders of the world. Okay, here's the sentence. Seems like Matahari picked her targets carefully. So, the first letter of each of those words. Okay. Seems like Matahari picked her targets carefully. So, the S in Seems is the statue of Zeus at Olympia. Okay. The L, lighthouse at Alexandria. Okay. M, mausoleum at Halicarnassus. P, pyramid of Khufu at Giza. H, hanging gardens of Babylon. T, temple of Artemis at Ephesus. And C, colossus of Rhodes. Okay. Seems like Matahari picked her targets carefully.
0: Seems like Matahari picked her targets carefully. Mm-hmm. Cool. I had no idea that there was even a monomic, monomic mnemonic yeah there we go huh well thank you Julia that's sure. really cool are you are you ready for a quiz I am so ready for a quiz great I'm excited about a quiz awesome
1: uh, this quiz is called the eighth wonder of the world this is a quiz on places or things that according to popular culture have been named as unofficial candidates for the eighth wonder of the world deemed to be comparable to the seven ancient wonders of the world so here we go Question number one, a collection of more than 8,000 sculptures depicting the warriors of the first emperor of China, whose purpose was to protect the emperor in his afterlife, was first discovered by local farmers attempting to dig wells in the Shanghai province of China in 1974. What is the colloquial English name by which we know these famous clay statues? Question two. Legend has it that the mythological warrior Finn McCool built the giant's causeway as stepping stones to Scotland so that he wouldn't get his feet wet. However, this stunning area of about 40,000 interlocking basalt columns is more likely the outcome of a volcanic eruption resulting in what type of rock? A. Sedimentary B. Metamorphic or C. Igneous Question 3. Moai are distinctive Polynesian monolithic human figures carved by the Rapa Nui people, likely between 1250 and 1500 AD. The statues are the living faces of their deified ancestors, and they are made up of more than just a big head. The island Rapa Nui, also called Easter Island, is a special territory of what spicy country? Question 4. What is the five-letter name you should all know as the traditional aboriginal name of Ayers Rock in Australia? Question five. Angkor Wat is a temple complex and the largest religious monument in the world. It is a prime example of Chimer architecture and is such an icon that it appears on its home country's flag. In what country is Angkor Wat located? Question six. In Rockbridge County, Virginia, is a geological formation called Natural Bridge, located within a gorge carved from surrounding mountainous limestone. This impressive formation was in the zeitgeist by 1851, enough so that a famous writer included this sentence in his best-known work. But soon the fore part of him rose slowly from the water. For an instant, his whole marbleized body formed a high arch like Virginia's natural bridge. In which adventurous novel did that line appear? Question 7. The Aswan High Dam is a 12,570 foot long and 364 foot high embankment dam that was built to control annual flooding, provide increased water storage for irrigation, and generate hydroelectricity. What river does the Aswan High Dam control? Question 8. We have three true or false statements on Stonehenge. First statement Stonehenge was built by Druids as a place of ritual sacrifice. Second statement. The massive stones were transported to their current location by prehistoric animal-drawn wheeled carts. And third statement. The last private owner of Stonehenge bought the place for a bargain 6,600 pounds in 1915. Question 9. During the 18th century, a special room was installed in the Catherine Palace in St. Petersburg, Russia. Constructed by Baroque sculptors and skilled craftsmen, this chamber was considered a priceless piece of art filled with extraordinary architectural features. During the Second World War, the room was stolen and has since disappeared. What is the name of this missing chamber named for the six tons of precious resin that adorned its walls? In question 10, throughout the 1970s and 1980s, a rather substantial French professional wrestler answered to the nickname, the Eighth Wonder of the World. Even if you aren't a fan of the WWE, you likely know this fellow who had both gigantism and acromegaly from his inconceivable role in a romantic fantasy adventure film. Name that man. And we'll be back in about a minute with your answers.
0: Oh, man julia i'm I'm ashamed at how little I oh know.
1: it's okay.
0: we <sighs> all have I don't know enough. this is why we have the team that's true. this is why we have a whole team,
1: yes, yep. So, um, first question: A collection of more than eight thousand sculptures depicting the warriors of the first emperor of China. Um, what is the colloquial English name by which we know these famous clay statues? I can't
0: remember. Do you know what I, I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. Okay. I can see the National Geographic mm-hmm. photo in the magazine mm-hmm. that I saw. I just don't remember.
1: They're the terracotta army. Shit.
0: Yes, the Terracotta Army.
1: So um, these figures, dating from approximately the late third century BC, are of armored warriors, unarmored infantrymen, cavalrymen wearing a pillbox hat, Ooh. helmeted drivers of chariots with more armor protection, and lots, lots more. Yeah. Um, so they would have been painted bright colors, actually. Oh, cool. Which is really interesting to think about when you think about like these ancient statues and how we see them today, just like very mm-hmm. plain. And then when you see them painted or recreated painted, they are like,
0: yeah. Ancient Greek statues Mm -hmm. that are made of marble used to be painted like super bright garish so
1: that you could see them from down below because they were 200 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these, these terracotta figures would have actually been painted as well. Wow that's cool and most of the original weapons were looted shortly after the creation of the terracotta army or they have rotted away but many weapons such as swords spears lances and more have been found in the pits with them so it's a it's a UNESCO you know world heritage Heritage site and they're you know always working on excavating more it's really really interesting uh, question two Legend has it that the mythological warrior Finn McCool built the Giant's Causeway as stepping stones to Scotland. Um, so, this stunning area of about 40,000 interlocking basalt columns is most likely the outcome of a volcanic eruption, resulting in what type of rock? A, sedimentary, B, metamorphic, or C, igneous? That would be igneous, Julia? Yeah, it is igneous. Mm-hmm. So, the word's derived from the Latin word ignis, meaning fire. Sure. Um, this is also called magmatic rock. So it's formed through the cooling and solidification of magma or lava. So um, for everybody else, sedimentary rock is formed at the earth's surface by the accumulation and cementation of fragments of earlier rocks, minerals, and organisms. And metamorphic rocks are formed by subjecting any type of rock to different temperature and pressure conditions mm-hmm. than those in which the original rock was formed. And those are the three types of rocks. You should, you should know Everyone that. Everyone
0: should know that. Yes.
1: Uh, question three, Moai are distinctive Polynesian monolithic human figures carved by the Rapa Nui people. Um, the Rapa Nui Island, also called Easter Island, is a special territory of what spicy country?
0: Spicy country. Oh, man. Oh, I was man. hoping
1: that was the hint.
0: So, well, yeah, They're it is, spicy. but I can't think of it. What is it, Spain? <laughs> Chile. Chile. Damn.
1: So uh, Rapa Nui was incorporated into the Chilean territory in 1888. Easter Island is one of the most remote inhabited islands in the world. It has a population of nearly six thousand people. Wow.
0: That's yeah. a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah. And they have whole bodies under those they heads. Do. Yeah, which it's is not so just crazy. The head.
1: Um and oh man, there's it, I mean, just the looking at the pictures of them are so cool. Like yeah. it's I think it's like five eighths of it is the head, and then the rest oh, of it is like a stout body. That's and they is. all they all have different meanings and they're all mm. the faces of their ancestors. And yeah, it's really it's really cool to see. And I feel like there was like a tourist that like chipped away a piece of it in the last couple years and he got fined like a crazy amount of money and also got banned from the island.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Quit touching ancient stuff, guys. (laughs) Yeah. What have we learned today, everybody? You can touch literally anything else in the world. (laughs) Uh, Question four. What is
1: the five-letter name you should all know as the traditional Aboriginal name of Ayers Rock in Australia?
0: That is Uluru.
1: Yes, it is. So that's U-L-U-R-U. Yes, many U's. So it's a large sandstone rock formation that is also called an Inselberg. I didn't know this either. Um, an Inselberg is a prominent isolated knob or hill that rises abruptly from and is surrounded by extensive and relatively flat erosion lowlands in a hot, dry region. So basically, it's, it's an specific. island mountain. Oh, that's cool. So, it, you know, picture it. it. it.
0: It's an Inselberg. Inselberg? Itsel, Inselberg. Inselberg. Okay, yeah. cool. That's a good word. Uh, question
1: five, Angkor Wat is a temple complex and largest religious monument in the world. In what country is it located? Is that
0: Thailand? It's Cambodia. Cambodia. Damn. Close. You're in the re- Yeah, I'm in, there, you're in the, in the region. same region.
1: So um, Angkor Wat was originally constructed as a Hindu temple of the god Vishnu for the Khmer Empire, gradually transforming into a Buddhist temple toward the end of the 12th century. The site has both a temple mountain and a galleried temple. And at the center of the temple stands... And here's a word I read this week for the first time too, a quincunx of towers. So a quincunx, Mm Q-U-I-N-C-U-N-X, means a geometric pattern consisting of five points arranged in a cross with four of them forming a square or rectangle and a fifth at its center. So like the five pips on a standard six-sided die, that is a a quincunx.
0: What oh a great man, word. that's cool. That yeah. is a great word. I'm just learning words left yeah, and right yeah, yeah. here today.
1: <laughs> so um, the architecture at Angkor Wat is very distinctive, and it is Cambodia's prime attraction for visitors. Yeah, and I remember I first learned from it about it um, uh, playing Tetris Plus on my Game Boy because that's a level, <laughs> <laughs> that's a level in Tetris Plus. It's really cool. You're like in the ruins uh, yeah. of Angkor Wat. Question six: In Rockbridge County, Virginia, geological formation called Natural Bridge. So. Um, in 1851, a famous writer included this sentence in his best-known work. But soon, the fore part of him rose slowly from the water. For an instant, his whole marbleized body formed a high arch like Virginia's natural bridge. So in what adventurous novel did that line appear?
0: Um, I believe it's a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. No, I have no idea. Oh, it's what Moby Dick. Is it really?
1: It is. Yeah. If you hear it again, you'll
0: you can probably okay. picture it at that yeah. point. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, he's a big white form. That's yeah. true, but I imagined a human person. Just that's just oh. what I imagined when you wrote it. Uh, so it's Moby
1: Dick. Okay, that's the answer. Oh, he's a big white. Uh, so girl. a little background for people that don't live in or have never lived in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, Natural Bridge has a 215 foot high natural arch with a span of 90 feet. It's really cool. Um, So it was a sacred Native American site and it was first documented by Europeans in the mid 18th century and it soon became a very popular tourist destination. So it's alleged that George Washington also came to the site in 1750 as a young surveyor and tour guides claim that the initials GW are carved up high on one of the walls of the bridge. And Thomas Jefferson actually purchased the land um, from King George III of England for 20 shillings in 1774, oh. which he called the most sublime of nature's works. And another American literary figure said that Natural Bridge and Niagara Falls were the two most remarkable features of North America. That's cool. Yeah. Also, just today, I learned that in 2014, click hole... The site, yes, uh, published the entirety of Moby Dick on their site under the title "The time I spent on a commercial whaling ship totally changed my perspective on the world." So when you <laughs> click on that, it's by a sailor named Ishmael,
0: yeah, and it is the whole text Get of Moby Dick. Here. That's it's so hilarious!
1: Funny. I just found
0: that out today. That's really funny. Yeah, that's a terrible book, by the way. The Moby only Dick. interesting, the only yeah. interesting, um, uh, chapter is the sperm squeezing chapter because it's like vaguely <laughs> homoerotic. Just you know what, everybody. Wait, open up your Moby Dicks,
1: <laughs> or just click on the click hole. Yeah, just, just click, on click on that click, click, hole. click hole
0: and go to the sperm squeezing. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just took a drink of water. Uh, the sperm squeezing chapter, where they're all like squeeze. You got to squeeze the sperm to break it up so that they can get all the juices out of it. <laughs> Lord. I think that's what it is. Now, see, if I didn't know you, I think you're making this. <laughs> no, <it's>, I'm not. <laughs> it's a terrible book. It's very, very boring for something that's just like a, a great chase scene. It is super boring. But the idea of them, like, it's very detailed description of them, like, squeezing the sperm in this big vat all their hands, like, gently sliding over I mean, others. I have to put, like,
1: the extra explicit tag on this episode. <laughs>
0: And about the 15 minute mark, Lauren talks for a really long time
1: <laughs> about, squeezing <laughs> about squeezing sperms.
0: No, it's true. It's very homoerotic. It's like, it's held as like an early depiction of like male lust. It's. A, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was an English major in college. This is all I remember. Hey.
1: <laughs> well, uh, moving sorry, along. please continue. I'm, moving sorry. Along. I'm, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, question it. seven the Aswan High Dam. Uh, what river does the Aswan High Dam control? I have no idea. It's the Nile.
0: So it's located in Aswan,
1: Egypt. Um, The high dam has resulted in protection from floods and droughts, an increase in agricultural production and employment, electricity production, and improved navigation that also benefits tourism. So, however, the building of the dam between 1960 and 1970 flooded a large area that caused the relocation of more than 100,000 people. And many Egyptian archaeological sites were submerged while others had to be relocated so the dam is kind of also blamed for like a couple other problems like erosion and soil salinity yeah. and maybe some health <laughs> problems uh but it is probably the only major dam that i could name besides the hoover dam oh. but it's not
0: even in the top 10 largest dams get out of here yeah you think with a big ol' river like the nile you'd need a big ass dam right and it is pretty big well no i mean i do-
1: um I will tell you that the largest dam in the world is called the Tarbella Dam, and it is on the Indus River in Pakistan.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Boop. A lot of people are in that area.
1: Okay. I never heard of it before now. Neither have I. But now you guys know about some dams, too. Great. Uh, question eight three true or false statements on Stonehenge. So, ready. Yes. First, Stonehenge was built by Druids as a place of ritual sacrifice. False. False. Great. 17th century philosopher John Aubrey was the first to speculate that druids were involved and his writings have perpetuated as Mm. fact. Today, the interpretation of Stonehenge, which is most generally accepted, is that of a prehistoric temple aligned with the movements of the sun. Period. Great. Yes. Uh, Second statement. The massive stones were transported to their current location by prehistoric animal-drawn wheeled carts. I'm going to say false. It is false. Stonehenge predates wheels. Also, pretty yeah, pulley systems. Exactly. So, while historians have guesses about rolling large stones on logs, <laughs> so they were like, kind of make a, lo- yeah. a little track for this to roll down. Another group has actually suggested that the builders used a type of sleigh running on a track greased with animal fat. Ugh. And then an experiment with a sleigh carrying a 40 ton slab of stone near Stonehenge was successful in 1995 a dedicated team of more than 100 workers managed to push and pull the slab along the 18-mile journey from Marlboro Downs.
0: Oh, they pushed it 18 miles? Yeah.
1: Using, like, animal fat on the track. Yeah.
0: Julia, between the nettle eating (laughs) and the the greasing up a big old stone and pushing it almost 20 miles, the British really have a lot to answer (laughs) for. I'm just saying. (laughs) They've
1: gone down a notch in your book, you're saying. Yeah, they really have. Yeah. Uh, the third statement: The la- true or false? The last private owner of Stonehenge bought the place for a bargain six thousand six hundred pounds in 1915. I'm going to say that's true. It is true. Yes. His name was Cecil Chubb.
0: Cecil Chubb. <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, the right honorable but, Cecil but he, Chubb. He was the last private owner of Stonehenge, which he donated to the British government just three years later in 1918. So he reportedly bought it on a whim just to make sure that another Englishman actually kept it in the country. He didn't want people to like, mm-hmm. you know, sell it off or move it somewhere. And he also wanted to impress his wife.
0: Which of is course. really sweet. That's, that is sweet. You know what? Just because you're married doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep the spark alive. You know what I mean? And so.
1: whether that's spending
0: $6,000 on a bunch of prehistoric rocks... Or making her dinner one night. Yeah. You know, good for you. This is
1: some good love advice here in this podcast. (laughs) We're just laying it on thick tonight. (laughs) Um, Question nine. So uh, during the 18th century, a special room was installed in the Catherine Palace in St. Petersburg, Russia. What is the name of this missing chamber named for the six tons of precious resin that adorned its walls?
0: I have no idea. I don't (sighs) know if I've never heard of it or this is just not ringing any bells (sighs) for me. What is it?
1: It's called the Amber Room.
0: I've never heard of this before in <gasps> oh my, my life. Oh my gosh. So
1: this room is amazing because they have photographs of what it looked like before World War II. Yeah. Um, so the room covered about 590 square feet and it contained more than 13,000 pounds of amber. It took more than 10 years to construct and it used like specialized like amber sculptures, yeah. which is like such a rare like craftsman, yeah. you know, skill. Yeah. Um, So shortly after the beginning of the German invasion of the Soviet Union in World War II, the curators responsible for removing the art treasures in Leningrad tried to disassemble and remove the Amber Room. However, over the years, the Amber had dried out and become brittle, which made it impossible to move the room without crumbling the Amber. So the Amber Room, they hid it behind some like unassuming wallpaper, you know, in an attempt to keep German forces from like figure it out what it was, but that didn't work. In 1941, the room was disassembled in 36 hours by the army group north of Nazi Germany and taken to Konigsberg castle in East Prussia. So um, the original room hasn't been seen since, (gasps) since 1941. So um, the Russian government tried to recreate the room in 2003 like, so they had these pictures and they, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure they didn't use real you know, amber. the 13,000 pounds of real amber and all the jewels and gemstones and stuff like that. But um, they tr- they tried to recreate it because it was this such this like national treasure. Um, most likely the room was destroyed during heavy bombing of Konigsberg oh. in 1945. So that, you know, that amber and those gems yeah. and stuff wouldn't have survived um, the bombing. But it's
0: you gotta see a picture of it oh my gosh so cool yeah that reminds me of like the rape of Europa with Mm -hmm. the exactly the wartime like all of that art that was taken by the Nazis it's heartbreaking as a museum worker well honestly anybody who loves beautiful things that's really that's heartbreaking I had never heard of that before (sighs) I cannot believe that All right, I gotta go home and read about it though yeah definitely
1: and then last question throughout the 1970s 1980s a substantial French professional wrestler answered to the nickname the eighth wonder of the world even if you aren't a fan of the WWE, you likely know this fellow who had both gigantism and acromegaly from his inconceivable role in a romantic fantasy adventure film. Name that man. It's Andre the Giant. It is Andre the Giant. So, he was so cute. Um, he was born as Andre Rene Rusimov. He weighed more than 500 pounds and was somewhere between seven feet and seven foot four tall. Um, I like he's he seemed like the nicest, Just friendliest the sweetest, guy ever. Just guy. Um, I like the uh, the tale that he once consumed 119 twelve fluid ounce beers in six oh hours.
0: <laughs> so, like at a tailgate, <laughs> it must have taken a lot to make him it, drunk. It too, did, like and, a, an enormous amount. Yeah,
1: and there were some stories that like he couldn't like in if surge for like surgery, like mm-hmm. standard anesthesia wouldn't work on him, so they had to like calculate things based on what his alcohol tolerance was oh, to like wow. figure yeah. out what. Um, how much like drugs they could give him.
0: Um, One of my favorite anecdotes and it's very, it's very sad and kind of sweet is that towards the end of his life, when he was uh, working on um, princess bride, Mm -hmm. uh, his knees and his hips were so bad Mm -hmm. because he was so heavy. You know, he had been, he was a wrestler for so long that, um, that scene where they save Robin Wright from the tower, like she jumps out of the window and he like catches her. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre the Giant could not actually lift Robin Wright, Aww. even though she was only like 102 yeah. pounds because his knees were so Aww. weak. So they actually had to put her on like cables Aww. and float her down. And actually, if you watch the movie, you can see like the <laughs> shiny cables as she's like floating down and he like catches her, but Aww. he doesn't really catch her because he was so weak. It's sad, Aww. but he was very cute. Yeah, and a classic part of that movie,
1: definitely. And he just seemed like such a nice guy. So um, he died in 1993, and that year when the WWF created their Hall of Fame, he, Andre the Giant was the inaugural and sole inductee that oh, year. So that's, that's, that's great, like a nice tribute to him. So uh, that that's my quiz.
0: I learned so <laughs> much tonight, Julia. <laughs> I am blown away. I'm going to, I can't wait to listen to this episode (laughs) when we put it out. I'm so
1: glad. So we'll tweet out the link to that nature article about the, um, the new room in the pyramid of Giza. I'm so excited. about Um, and you know, some other things that we mentioned throughout this that you might find interesting might, might send out some links. So definitely. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. Uh, Oh, we have a Facebook page now. If, if we already already bothered you to bothered you to like it, (laughs) Maybe you could like it. Maybe tell another person about the
0: podcast. Yeah. Maybe That'd do that, fun. guys. I mean, yeah. we're not going to force you to, but maybe tell them about it. You can like us on Facebook now. Definitely. Tell your mom and your aunt because those are the people who are on Facebook mm-hmm. anymore. I know I told my mom. Hi, mom. Please like me on Facebook. <laughs> um, you can also reach us on Twitter at MissInfoPod. You can email us at MissInfoPod at gmail.com. You can uh, just send you out. Talk us. To us. You can talk to us. You can you give know, us a wait, call. Wait, yeah. <laughs> hey. We'll tweet out our private phone numbers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then, as always, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and whatever podcast app you prefer with our RSS feed. So, thank you again so much for all of your nice comments and reviews and stuff. We really appreciate it.
0: We totally do. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for
1: listening. We'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.